Hello. Hello. So this is River. This is River. Say welcome to making lemonade. Welcome to lemonade with the red. This is the podcast. This is a podcast about how. But how we take the lemons that life gives us. The the lemons Lemonade. <laughs> That's right. And how we make lemonade. How we like lemonade. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Are you a fan of making lemonade? Qui-Gon's happy hour or just my work in general? Well, due to the current world crisis, health crisis, we, are, we here at the Lemonade Podcast Network have hit a wall as far as our sponsors and regular revenue streams go. And... We thought it's time to push our Patreon. If you go to patron, patreon.com forward slash The Lemonade Network and become a patron, you will get access to not only a patron-exclusive podcast feed with all our Star Wars after shows, movie commentaries, and the whole first season of my podcast, Baking Oranges, where I talk with my friend and yours, Steve, about pop culture and the world around us, but you will also get 15% off all products in my online store um, year-round and access to a patron-only Discord community where you can talk about the latest episodes, pop culture, and much more with our Lemonade Network community. Now, for those of you out there who are also in financial hardship right now, this is not for you. I want you all to know that we, we will still have free podcasting content year-round. Every single week, we're going to have new episodes of Making Lemonade and Qui-Gon's Happy Hour every other week as well, so don't fret. However, if you are not in financial hardship and you could spare some <laughs> some cash um, and would like to help out and are, are a fan of everything we do here at the Lemonade Network, please head over to patreon.com forward slash the Lemonade Network and become a Patreon a patron today. Stay weird. So today we're going to be talking about, welcome to one of our sponsors. Uh, welcome to one of my sponsors. That's right. <laughs> we're going to be talking about one of our sponsors here today, Canva. Canva is one of the places you can get um, all sorts of design assets and collateral. If you can't afford a um, designer, you can get yourself some templates made for all sorts of... That's right. All sorts of all sorts of uh, templates, all sorts of design templates like brochures for your Instagram, for your Facebook, um, for you know they have hundreds of thousands of templates waiting for you to be made. Um, they are one of the sponsors of our podcast this week. Please stop playing with the microphone. Um, they are one of the sponsors, and if you want to, uh, we need to we need to keep the lights on. As you can hear, we have. We have children in the studio. Oh, God. This might not be a great idea. <laughs> we have children in the studio, and we need to keep the lights on somehow. So you can keep the lights, um, and we can keep this free for you, ladies and gentlemen, out there. So um, please support Making Lemonade by clicking uh, the the link below. Um, that is Canva. <laughs> The link is in all the description below, um, and if you click that button, uh, Canvas kicks back some money to us here at the Lemonade Podcast Network, and they um, 
that allows us to pay some of our bills. We have to pay for microphones. We have to pay for things like kazoos. <laughs> we have to pay for um, to keep uh, to keep things running here, so we can keep it free for you, ladies and gentlemen. You can enjoy every single week. Um, <laughs> she's got the <laughs> she's got the the kazoo now. She's just discovered it. Ooh. So the link is. <clears throat> Uh, partner.canva.com forward slash lemonade that's partner.canva.com forward slash lemonade and if you want to sign up for canva go via that link that will it doesn't cost you a thing um, to use this link um, and every time you go into canva uh, they will just every time you use that link they will just kick back a, a few bucks to us uh, canva is a wonderful wonderful um, piece of resource uh, for all designers and non-designers alike out there listening or creatives. So yeah, thank you Canva for sponsoring this episode. Uh, let's let's get into it. See you on the other side. Hello there ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of Making Lemonade, the podcast where we talk about how we take the lemons that life gives us and all of the different flavors of lemonade that we as creatives and as people make throughout our lives. This week, we have... A new guest. His name is Ollie Ward. He came to me. He is a listener. He's an avid listener of the podcast. And we had a wicked chat here. It's been a couple of weeks. I'm sorry I've been away for two weeks. Um, I just took a bit of a sabbatical. And we're also trying to organize to get uh, this podcast going. And we finally got it done this week. And I am so glad. It is so worth the wait. Um, Patience really is a virtue. And Ollie really was not only patient, um, but very kind and um, is just someone I feel like uh, I really want to have back on the podcast because we only had so much time and we went down some rabbit holes I didn't really expect to go down, but I am so glad we did. And I want to thank you, Ollie, for that. Um, this is one of my favorite episodes we've done so far, especially in season three and the post um, 100 episodes. We have had some really strong episodes and there's a lot to go off here. We will um, definitely be having Ollie back. And I just want to just want to say, guys, I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening. Every one of you that listens every single week, um, you're so kind. You support me and my family. Um, and I know we have sponsors and affiliate marketing on here right now, and that just helps us keep the lights on. Um, I would do this regardless of sponsorship, um, but you know, we need to pay the bills. But I really do appreciate every single one of you, and I want to keep this free for all of you guys um, every single week. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Thank you, Ollie, for coming on. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ollie Ward. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Making Lemonade. We have... I'm going to do this real quick with me. G'day. I'm up. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Making Lemonade, um, the podcast where we talk about how... Where... Where we talk about 
Oh my god, how have I forgotten the intro? I'll do the intro later. The intro's in there. <laughs> if you're listening on the audio version, on my audio um, amigos, you're, you've heard the intro already. So um, let's get into the episode. Without further ado, we have Mr. Ollie Ward. We've been trying to... Sorry, I've taken two weeks off, ladies and gentlemen. We've been trying to get to this. Um, it's been a very hectic week for both of us. Um, and we finally got some time to sit down and have a chat. I'll bring him up on the screen. There he is. G'day, mate. How you doing? Hey, welcome. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. Thank you. Um, what's been going on? How you been? I've been super busy the last couple of weeks, but um, mm. I've had some time to sit down and get back to the fundamentals with, like, you know, practicing anatomy and pose and all that stuff. So it's been good. Just awesome. with pencil That's- and paper. That's the good stuff. That's the uh, mm-hmm. that's the uh, shooting hoops of of illustration. I think. That's yeah. The, um, practicing, practicing, hitting the target, basically. Um, so let's get into some questions, really quick. I've got a list of questions here that I want to ask you. Um, what are you working on now? What's 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 the pro- other than anatomy stuff? What's your current project? Mm-hmm. Right now, I've been working on uh, the second issue of Honorbound, which is my indie comic. Um, but I've I've got two projects running at the same time at the minute because I find I hit a brick wall with one and then I can move on to the other one for a few weeks and really immerse myself in that. You can really only stay immersed in a fictional world for so long before it gets kind of stale. And mm. when it feels stale for me, I feel like it's going to feel stale for the audience. Mm. Uh, so I, I've jumped back and forth between Honorbound issue two and Cybernetic Override issue one. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So, so I read the um, I, I read Honorbound one, and I'm really intrigued to see where you're going next. <laughs> that was um, I I did not. That was a trip, man. I'll tell you what. I did not know where where <laughs> I was going. Um, I loved. I love. Personally, I love watching as fewer trailers for a movie and a television show as possible and just going on the trip. And I'm glad I didn't get a trailer or a preview for this as well because um, when I got to the end, I was like, wow, I did not see that that coming. I did not see where you were headed with um, on a bound. And I don't want to do too many spoilers here for anyone who wants to listen. Um, I will send you in the direction of on a bound issue one. But yeah, man, I just wanted to say that at the top, that is... That was something. <laughs> that was something really cool. Like, I really, really enjoyed um, a lot of the the elements you you brought in, kind of joining all these sorts of genres together. Um, and it was a great pilot uh, episode, so to speak, or, or issue, so to speak. Um, we, I really felt like we established you established your characters, your your setting, your um, period even and where we were going and what the what the what the issue was that we were going to solve first um with these characters so i'm really i'm really looking forward to issue number two man that's for sure well it's super awesome to hear that because you're the first um artist i've heard feedback from it's been really hard to get people to read it this year i was I, i published it back in january and i was ready and pumped to go to the conventions um so i've only had feedback from friends and family who don't who aren't creative and to hear all of that um that was really insightful to hear from somebody who is a creator themselves so thanks so much for that oh it's it's my pleasure man look um 
I think if you sent it to sent it to other artists, you definitely you definitely get some similar feedback. It's uh, so. I mean, we are. I already asked. What are you working on now? Um, the next question I kind of want to ask you, man, is why let, let's let's unpack actually i want to unpack on about just for a little bit here um and you know give away as many spoilers as you want i don't want to give any away obviously it's not my but you give away as much as you'd like about the story one of the questions i have here is why 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 did you feel this story was the story you wanted to tell um with on abound why did you feel medieval kind of style it's sort of the crusades meets I mean, I don't know, Spartans. <laughs> like, why? Why did you feel you wanted to tell this story? Um, when I started, it was really supposed to be sort of a a light-hearted sitcom where the status quo is restored after each issue. But um, the more I kind of immersed myself in the world and I um, familiarized myself with the character of the knights, they really had this rage about them and this drama this melodrama that they carried and like they're just carrying so much pain and guilt with them that um, I really kind of wanted to lean into that and make it more um, serious, I guess, without losing that lighthearted tone. Yeah, I kind of noticed you had that um, very, like the characters are very serious, but the, the, um, so what I'm looking for, the incidences they get themselves into, the situations they get themselves into, it's very situation comedy. Like it's it's putting very serious, you've, you've dropped very serious characters essentially into a sitcom and the way they interact just naturally becomes funny because of their their nature. Was that kind of exactly, what you were, yeah. you were aiming for? Uh, yeah, I mean, it evolved into that. Um, it's very different from the thing that I set out to do from the start uh, back in January 2017. 20, 20, 2019 was when I started this one, actually. Oh, okay. Interesting. So what what was it that you initially set out to create? It was, like I said, more of a lighthearted sitcom. It was going to revolve around the knights the the classic trope of the knights going to a castle and rescuing a uh the princess from the castle but the princess turns out didn't want to be rescued and um they end up kind of having to rescue her from herself and her own demons while she kind of teaches them to be less serious about themselves but uh the more i fleshed out the story the more it didn't make sense for her to be a princess and it made more sense for her to be a doctor awesome yeah, I, I, that was a character that I was really intrigued by. It was, um, you know, I wanted to figure out where that doctor was from. I wanted to know, you know, there's, there's, there was definitely a few moments there where I was reading and I thought this is, this is a character that I can see um, probably has a lot of history um, and is hiding it through a sense of humor. And um, yeah, I could definitely see a lot of potential coming from that character, especially the relationship with, um, was it Alexius? Is that how you say his name? Alexius, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the relationship there I could see developing in a very interesting, um, I, I wouldn't say necessarily um, romantic, but a very, in just because of the nature of the two characters um, and obviously being from two very different worlds, um, 
I could see, yeah, I could see it becoming something. Um, and I could see there was definitely darkness potentially in that doctor or something. She was trying to redeem herself or something or something like that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Even though there was only, this was only the first issue, I could definitely see there was we were heading in a direction where potentially this doctor is trying to. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the story. I have no inside scope. I have no understanding of where you're going with it. But from my own um, creative point of view, I could see this doctor was. Um, what's the words I'm looking for? Potentially, um, yeah, redeeming herself for something. Um, you know, perhaps the death of a family member or something like that, you know, um, just has, she just hasn't revealed that just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so where did that doctor character come from? Where did, where did she kind of. She was actually the main character when I conceived of this thing, she was the princess and it was going to revolve around kind of her being a symbol of chaos, whereas the knights were a symbol of order and they come together to, um, meet in the middle and create the perfect yin yang scenario um but it just it uh, as a character fleshed out it, it she really needed more of um i guess merit uh being mm. a, a princess without purpose wasn't enough for her she had to come from um a company and have a purpose um, and so she became the technomancer in Unabound. Yeah, I love that word. That was a great. Um, to, I mean, I don't know if that pre-exists uh, this setting, but even then, it just it made so much sense. And the idea of them thinking that technology was evil was just one of those elements where I went, that would make so much sense in a world where ghouls and goblins were the were the bad thing of course something that they don't understand um that isn't mm-hmm. isn't natural necessarily to a medieval setting would make at first i was reading and i was like technology where do, what do they mean technology they're talking about catapults or something like that and then i realized then i saw the gate and the door and was like oh that's where we're at so we've got someone from another realm or another time period or whatever that's that's dropped in and um yeah, I mean, even the this concept of they're obviously what I really loved about those two elements of the characters was the doctor and the and the um what are the knights called? What, what did you end up naming the knights? I can't remember. They, I mean, for now they're called knights, but they are uh, crusader droids. Mm. But that's in issue okay. two. That's revealed right, in issue right. two. I'm, I'm okay. not. Uh, I used to be careful with spoilers. I'm not anymore because people aren't even reading it. So I'm giving it out for free. I'm telling you everything you want to know to you know kind of get people hooked and actually yeah, read it. be interested in it. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so interesting. I mean, the the idea of these honor bound um, pun intended these honor bound uh, men who. You know, they obviously want to do the best and the right thing, but they have a code and this one woman comes along and she goes, well, there's new, there's something, there's, I, I can help, but you need to allow me to break your rules. Like my mm-hmm, rules mm-hmm. aren't yours, but we have a similar, um, we have a similar uh, goal in mind, which is to, to help this planet, to help this, um, wherever we are, this dimension, this world that we're on, 
Um, and that's obvious, clearly what these these knights are doing. Like it's clearly the reason why they um, they have a higher higher mission. Um, and f then having this doctor go well, it's it's basically if someone if we dropped Elon Musk into um, the time of the Crusades or something like that, and he was like, well, look, I can help you do what you want to do. You, you're trying to do the right thing. But you're just going about it a very barbaric way. <laughs> That's kind of mm -hmm. what I got from it. Is that am I misreading that, or is that what you were you were hoping for? You're pretty close. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're pretty spot on. The knights' struggle is really within themselves because they have a religious hatred for technology, having technology being the thing that kind of put the planet in the state that it's in, and also they. Uh, played a major part in that being technology themselves they're droids and so they have a self-hatred that they carry around that they're trying to redeem themselves of um through holy slaughter and they i mean they'll just they'll do whatever they can to feel like they have earned their place in um elysium i suppose okay that's interesting so I mean, that, we'll, we'll move on to the next question, but I'm, I'm really, yeah, this, this, this idea of droids meets holy is, is very, um, and, and needing to redeem themselves from, you know, the fact they, they feel a guilt almost like a, 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 mm -hmm. a machinery feeling a guilt for its own existence. <laughs> They feel that technology is evil and they know that they are technology. And so they they are sin itself. Yeah, wow. That's 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 complex. Sort of, <laughs> it's like AI becoming aware of itself and going through its own religious evolution, and it's still kind of in the crusader stage. Ah, okay. So they're not necessarily uh, is are you saying they're not necessarily I mean, I suppose maybe I'm giving it away here, but uh, are you saying that they're not necessarily um, Christian or Catholic or, or anything like that? Um, no, the design takes inspiration from Catholicism, but it is its own thing. I just really wanted the design to be super simple, and I knew nothing about um, Crusaders or Catholicism before I started this, but when I drew that cross, I was like, I need to look into what this means before I make a comic about it. And so... yeah. Um, into the uh, Catholic themes and such. Mm, yeah, and it just it just it also gives the audience a little bit more of a um, a better understanding of kind of what you're going for anyway in the first place. Um, yeah, and allows them to understand it a little bit more on on a familiarity level. Okay, so um, the next question I have is a question I often ask: What do you, as an artist and as a person, as an individual get from making stuff, just anything you make art or comics or whatever it may be. Yeah. I find a sense of meaning in it. It's um, it's a reason to get up in the morning. It's a reason to push through the suffering of life. Essentially. Um, there, are, there are many reasons someone might find to get up and do their thing. Family is another one. Um, but this is this gets me through the day to day, and um, providing a a form of escapism for other people, um, 
a way to just kind of lose yourself from the the pain of the IRL verse and immerse into something nonsensical for a bit. Um, I think that's valuable. Yeah, sort of go interdimensional. Yeah, yeah I, I I understand that. That's it's a very honourable reason as well um, to want to. A lot of us, I like how you said the IRL verse. It's a very good, um, very good way to explain it. It's you know we all need we all need something to escape to, um, and we all are so afraid of this. I've been thinking a lot lately lately about how we're so afraid of escapism and how it's such a negative thing when really like anything when done in moderation um it's just it's a good healthy lifestyle to have to have like a book or a, or a tv show or a comic book or whatever it may be to to escape to and i mean this concept of we have to be on and adult and and realistic all the time every single day is just ridiculous. And I mean, this, this idea of, but like, I really like that you brought up this idea of purpose is this is something I've been talking about a lot lately is how important purpose really is, you know? Mm -hmm. And we as artists know that, that having this purpose is so, so integral to our, our practice. I mean, like we can't express ourselves if we don't, believe in what we're doing in the first place and i mean a follow-up question is who this is a very this is a very i'm now reading this and going wow this is very um it's it seems very vague and it's a but it's also a very big question to ask someone when you speak about purpose and you speak about art and you speak about yourself, who who are you? Who would you who would you say you are creatively as a person, as an individual? I I'm just a dude struggling trying to make shit happen, you know? I'm trying to um make a mark on the world and make my uh, temporary existence in the IRL verse, um, make the most of it, I guess. Mm. And um, the way I've found is most effective at doing that is just telling stories and creating stuff. But um, what were you saying about escapism? It's, it's necessary. It's, it is um, that you're escaping your responsibilities. And so it is sort of in a way unhealthy, but it is also necessary. And reading is one of the healthiest ways that you can do it because there's a bunch of unhealthy ways you can escape as well. And those, those are equally awesome um, in moderation. Yeah, I, I really like... Um... I like that idea of you just to do, we all are really, aren't we? We're just all just trying to figure out where we fit, what our little niche is, what our, what our place is in this thing we call life. 
Like it sounds mm. like a cliche and it sounds like, but when you get that artistry calling that, that feeling to make things and story is really one of the most powerful things we can use, isn't it? And, and the reason why we're all drawn to escapism and or different forms of escapism is because of the story that we can lose ourselves in. Even when you're, mm-hmm. When you know when you and I hear a talking and 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 we start to tell a story or we you know you get that moment where you start to tell someone starts to tell you a story and you realize when the story is over when it's so engaging you come back out and you go it, it's almost like you go into another dimension you disappear into that story and you become just a fly on the wall inside that event and then you come out and you go oh whoa that's right i'm i'm back in reality exactly. again and and all you were doing was just listening to someone and talking to someone and yeah i mean story i mean what does i'm trying to i'm trying to think of what to you kind of does what significance does story have to you what do you what relationship do you have with with story, so to speak? I think the reason that people tell stories and enjoy them so much is that um, fictional or otherwise, it prepares them for real life situations. Um, but the enjoyment really comes when, like you said, you you forget yourself for a little bit and you just become a part of the world. And that's really what I'm kind of trying to capture with every comic that I make. I want to um, forget about the IRL verse for a bit and take you to an alien planet where uh, there are robots fighting knights and, um, you know, just awesome shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's really the, the importance of story, isn't it? It's to... To get lost um, and to, I mean, why is things like Star Wars so successful? Why are things like the Marvel Universe or to take away from anything Disney? I mean, I I personally am a professional wrestling fan and people know that's not real. We all know that Mm -hmm. all of this is not real but it doesn't matter. <laughs> like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to any of us because whether it's two dudes in a ring throwing each other off cages or two guys on a set throwing each other through walls and beating each other up, it's just, it's not real. And that's why we love it. And it's its not something, you know, and the, the, the idea of story, man, and interject whenever you feel... Um, you have something to say, but the idea of um, story really feels like it's it's in everything. Like, I mean, it's marketing. It's it's the stories we tell our parents, our family, our siblings, our friends. Every time we see them, it's it's essentially. I'm starting to think that story might actually be the source of life, <laughs> like, or at least the source of consciousness, because when we tell stories, we can change people's minds. We can change people's um, 
ideas. We can change their bias, their their mood. You know, it's something very powerful that a lot of people take very much for granted. And when we tell, you know, when we tell each other stories, it's hard to it's hard to not get lost in them. And, and I mean, coming back to escapism and I'll, I'll move on to the next question now, but I believe this next question has really, we, we've been kind of answering it here in that the question is, what do you make art for? And you kind of said that before is to, to give other people an escape. And I mean, what does, what does an audience mean to you? What does giving, entertainment and escape and and um art to the world mean to you hmm um an audience i mean i i make my comics um for the audience that is me and i enjoy it and um i put it out there hoping that other people will be like-minded and find people like me that will find this comic and enjoy it the same way that I did and get the same feeling out of it that I did. And I'm hoping enough of those people will find my shit so that I can keep making, I can spend more time making this stuff instead of stacking shelves at a grocery store. That's really my goal. But um, Mm. it's super interesting what you said about um, stories maybe being the fabric of reality because um i mean we're all each living our own story and um everything we look at is a story you listen to uh a song your favorite song it it tells a story you look at a a picture uh, a painting and it's telling a story and so i mean it, it really could be you really could be onto something there with um i mean even this picture right here tells its own story i i feel like this really captures the um, essence of my character and it tells the entire story of honor bound in itself without having to read it this tells you everything you need to know about honor bound mm. yeah you're right it, it's it's in everything it's injected into yeah but you're, you're very right i suppose a poster is is a story in itself and it's the idea of even even um a poster being marketing is the wrong idea or mm-hmm. or a poster being or a trailer being marketing is is the it, it's the concept it's the point of it but it's the byproduct own, exactly yes that's exactly the word i'm looking for is the byproduct mm-hmm. obviously when you make something and i mean i was talking to um i was actually re-listening to an old podcast uh, episode 104 which I did with um, my friend Ritual44, um, M. she was saying that um, we all sort of the balance between art and, and profit and art and marketing. And we, we, need, we all as artists want to find ultimately um, we need to make a profit so that we continue to make art. Like you said, we need, we need an audience. We need people who are willing to purchase what we make. Um, so that we can continue to make that work and then the cycle continues on. Um, but the balance, she was saying the trick is, <laughs> the balance is not making too much for the sake of profit, but also making enough and something worthy of profit. And it's finding exactly, that. Yeah. And like you said, that audience 
is key and and making making the art for yourself first and foremost is is one of the best things you can do but also i mean i'm looking at these posters up here i have in front of me of i mean i've got the end game poster up and it is just a bunch of people on on the poster but like you said it tells the story i need to know it tells me what to expect and who to expect in the film and it's got famous mm -hmm. faces all over it it's got characters i know it's got stories and it's it's the com I, I know that that movie was the combination of a bunch of stories um that i have that we all spent 15 years consuming um and, and you feel and all those stories when you look at those posters don't you you feel all exactly. of them at once yeah yes exactly mm -hmm. and it's 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 those it's those actors it's the costumes it's the visual representation of each character and when I look at this poster, even though I have seen the film, even before I'd seen the film, I knew exactly what I was getting and I knew what I was. In. And it's somehow, you know, and we'll come and this is per it's coming back to what you were saying about that poster. And this is what's so powerful about illustration and design and so on is somehow we are able like that's enough <laughs> like that, that your poster, this poster, anything like that visuals is enough and visuals tell more stories than a conversation ever could or a blog or an article or anything like that. And I feel like being an illustrator, I mean, I don't know if you feel this way, but I definitely feel like being an illustrator is trying to deconstruct and decode why that actually is and how to re recreate that idea of visuals being more powerful and telling a story just through Mm -hmm. something without any words on it yeah i think um when it comes to the marketability and making a profit thing you like that's all well and good as long as you never sacrifice the thing that made you want to make the art in the first place you never give up the um the i guess enthusiasm and um the emotion that you put into it because that's what makes it um an interesting product in the first place that's worth marketing yeah, definitely. And and sacrificing that passion and um I suppose this is it's not it's not a stretch to say the greater good. Um mm -hmm. and if you don't have a greater good, that's when profit is going to be your greater good. People will value if you don't have something larger than money or larger than fame or success um, that you're trying to achieve. Um, like you said, that passion that um, you know, that final project might even be it, that the final product might even be more important to you than um, than money. You're going to get caught up in that in that profit versus versus art. And um, I mean, that's I just keep looking at this question here. It says, what do you make art for? And I think you've answered my question is that you have to there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there. I mean, I don't know if you feel this way as well, but there's a lot of people out there who have discovered that being creative allows you to make profit and a following online. And the market can be very not to be pessimistic, but the market can be very flooded with people who don't really know <laughs> what they're doing or don't really have a passion. They're just making things for the sake of making things. Hmm. I, I don't know any uh, professional artists personally or people who are making their living doing art. 
Um, but I'm hoping that I can find a way to do that without sacrificing the thing, you know, the, the fire. Um, but if I have to spend my whole life stacking shelves at a grocery store and in my spare time, I can make this shit. I would way rather do that as much as I hate going to the grocery store and doing that bullshit, making money for some other cunt. Um, if I have to sacrifice the, the passion, it's not worth it. Um, and I do, I have talked to a couple of people who do it for a living who say when you when art becomes your grind the passion does die and that's what i'm afraid of i'll, I'll never sacrifice the, the fire for money yeah yeah when you start making art for to find i mean there's a fine line between making art for yourself and making art for your audience um and making art for others obviously a commission is a service um or uh you know perhaps you're a graphic designer and 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 you're you're giving away a service and you're working for somebody else but when you're there's a lot of different ways that people can can steal away your passion and your your creativity and yeah you're right you really do need to be careful of that um and i mean personally i think it's not such a bad thing to to sell out um, in that I think selling out can be very relative. Um, but it, it, it's it's all about if others think you've sold out, who gives a shit? You know, they don't know mm, well, any any differently. But if you think you've sold out, then that's where you got to be careful. Sorry. It's all right. If your shit's selling, then um, people, some people might think you've sold out, but uh, if it's selling, the passion is there because people yeah. don't buy shit if they don't see the value in it. Yeah. So definitely. if you're sh if you're selling out, you're maybe on the right track. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. And well, exactly. And and selling out is completely up to you, isn't it? It's completely yeah, yeah. up to your your values, what you what you are willing to do. I mean, um, I was listening to. Uh, Kanye West on uh, Rogan's podcast, and he is wild. I, I yeah, that's a perfect word. He <laughs> is he is chaotic. He is wild, but it is not a stretch, and it is not unfair or a misunderstanding to say that he is a genius. He is just a mad genius. He is just... I've wondered myself about his uh, self-proclaimed genius status because I've been known, I've been guilty of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I it's think I, kinda, I, I doubt him because I doubt my own genius. But I also, I know that a lot of people do say that he is a genius, a creative genius. Mm. So maybe it's, he is. It's tricky. I think he is wildly misunderstood personally i think he's wildly misunderstood he moves on a plane and there was a lot of people like this it's like elon musk or you listen to these people talk and to even catch a fragment and and throw a throw so to speak a fishing line from your brain to to what they're saying can sometimes be difficult and i think that's where a lot of creatives get misunderstood like i mean I, I can't speak for you, but I can definitely speak for myself. And I know as a child, um, I always had this creative spark in me. I always had, you know, this imagination beyond most of the kids, my brother, anyone I, I played with. And 
I understand that being misunderstood thing. And I understand a lot of creatives do feel very misunderstood. And that's why we associate with other creatives because we can understand each other and we can, we, we all exist on this similar plane of how do we make something to change the world? Like what can we do Mm -hmm. today to make a difference? Yeah. Well, um, language is a, a wonderful tool for communication, but it is very limited. Um, and you can only get so much across and the the person you're communicating with is going to interpret it their own way. And it's, uh, may not be the, the most efficient way to take what's from my brain and put it into your brain. Um, mm. but, uh, combining it with imagery and emotion might get you closer to that goal. Definitely. And I think on that, that idea, I think that might be why comic books have um, and, and film have lasted so long because mm-hmm. as good as a book is, as good as most books are at communicating ideas and thoughts and um, advice processes, even stories, there is just – and we – you know – I don't subscribe to this, but I know society kind of does in in a way that comic books are for children and so on. And we've proven that wrong over the last 20 years or so, even since The Dark Knight Returns. Um, I think Frank Miller was one of the first people to really prove that idea. And then obviously um, Watchmen and so on to prove that idea wrong that this medium isn't for children. This is a medium that has endured and now has a beyond a cult following it's it's within the mainstream now i mean people like kanye people like like all these people are are listening and and watching and a lot very very large portion of society is taking in this medium now and enjoying it whether it's in film or comic books or whatever it may be television um it's permeated the mainstream and i think it is because like you said that visual representation and you're right language is very um very it's it's an elementary form of communication and to to be able to communicate from brain to brain might be where we need to head (laughs) because we might understand ourselves a little bit better you know what i mean well elon's working on it so hopefully we'll get there in the next couple of years Mm, yeah and he's one of those people that will understand uh, or already probably understands the importance of if we can communicate better, we can have because there's a lot of. I mean, you'll you'll come across it even in your day to day. There's just a lot of um, misunderstanding, just communication mm-hmm. breakdowns, and you're wrong, I'm right. I'm, you know, I even see it in the art world where there's all this horrible stuff. You know, I don't know if you know what happened with Jake Parker with the with the Inktober book and everything. How the cancel culture got to him and people decided that because one guy made a YouTube video who, when he didn't even communicate with Jake Parker about this and even ask him, one guy made a YouTube video just saying he he copy plagiarized his, his drawing book and just this breakdown, this fragility of individuals is causing us to have a breakdown in communication and not respect each other as artists or as individuals or as creatives 
and we're getting caught up in just semantics, <laughs> like just all these little little bits and pieces that don't matter, that that are, that are like mm-hmm. small little gates and fences in the way, and when they should, they're becoming mountains when they should just be tiny little molehills that we're trotting over to get to our, you know, what we need to do. Right. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting in the last couple of years is the rise of podcasts is as they've become more popular. I think the hive mind of the human race um, has, have been connecting on the internet on a much more efficient way through language, but through long form communication, um, and I, I think the internet is sort of uh, the humankind's hive mind connecting through technology. I think that's where I think yeah. that's its purpose. That's what it's there for. That's why it's our greatest invention is because we are becoming one. Um, we're we're making decisions even, and we're influencing each other. It's almost like a brain, and where each individual human is a node connected on the system that is the internet, which is the whole brain together. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's you're right that this long form communication is so powerful. Like the fact that yeah. we can we can listen to two people having a, like like we are right now, two people having a conversation, whether it's about art or it's about it's about communication, whatever it is, um, for a long period of time because this this idea of, I mean, even even the idea of fake news has permeated the the internet and. I think really now what we need to do with the internet is I never really thought of it as a hive mind because that's true. We're all connected. We're all, we're all one. We can, we can communicate from state to state, country to country. I mean, I've had people from the United States on this podcast before and we might as well have been in the same room and Mm -hmm. we're miles, countries, seas apart and we're able to communicate and listen to the, and talk to one another and listen to these people talk about things as well. And these, I mean, things like the Tim Ferriss podcast or um, Rogan or Tony Robbins, any of these guys bringing in, they have these relationships and they're bringing in these extraordinary individuals. Like being able to sit down and listen to Elon Musk talk for two Mm. hours with a comedian is just so unprecedented. And so, and listen to, essentially listen to his brain just just say say what it feels and how how we can help him and what we need to be thinking about what we need there's definitely a lot of negative that's come but you're right there's there's so much positive that's come from listening to people who are worthy of listening to who know what they're talking about and having that opportunity to listen to them for long 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 periods of time um and I've now lost my thought process on that. Um, you're saying it was a hive mind. I think, yeah, it's just interesting that the, I think that's so that's what I was saying. So I think the next direction we need to take now with the internet is to take a little bit more control of the AIs, <laughs> take a little bit more control over the algorithms because they're they're starting to squander. Um, mm-hmm. things are starting to they're too um, the AI itself has a little bit too much control um, yeah and it's been programmed by a human being you know what I mean so human beings are capable mm-hmm. of, of changing it 
This is the thing Elon Musk is afraid of, is the AI uh, surpassing humanity and becoming the prime uh, consciousness uh, of the, the cosmos as we know it. But it's already kind of happening, and I think he knows that too. I think it's happening through the internet. Yeah, definitely. Um, via social media, essentially. Yeah, the, the algorithms control the things that we think. And um, this is why I admire the thing that you're doing so much. Anyone that can, it's really difficult to start a podcast. I've tried. And mm. anyone that can actually manage to get a podcast off the ground, especially people like you and like Rogan, who find a way to allow other consciousnesses in and expand their insight through the insight of others and the thoughts of others that's a really admirable thing so um i applaud you for that <laughs> thank you that's very kind of you um i'm i mean it's because i want to learn um i mean i do i really appreciate you saying that that's very kind um and to be honest man i knew starting this podcast that I was going to have to spend a bit of time just learning the ropes, just mm -hmm. just just doing shitty podcasts. Like, I mean, I've said this before on here, the first 10 to 20 sucked. <laughs> like, they, they genuinely, I wouldn't send anyone in the direction of them because there was solo podcasts, there was um, reviews of movies, there was, it was just all over the place. I didn't know what the direction was and I really just, I think the first five to six of them, I just threw my phone down at a bar or with friends while we were sitting around and just let it go. And the sound quality quality was crap. And sometimes we got something good, but it got to a point where I realized that there is so many creative people out there and there's so many gatekeepers that won't allow those creative people to a place to speak and a place to mm -hmm. communicate their thoughts and a, just talk about why they do. I mean, I spent hours doing comic books and everything, sitting around drawing all my life, thinking how cool would it be if someone asked me to do an interview? How cool would it be? This, this is the answers I would have for this, that, and the other. And then I realized, well, fuck the gatekeepers. <laughs> like, why am I bothering emailing someone who has a million listeners when I can build that myself and build a platform for my friends and people I admire creatively to communicate that and to communicate what they feel. And I just stopped caring about the numbers. I stopped caring about how many people are listening and cared about who was actually coming on here and what it is we were talking about. Because I knew as soon as, as soon as we started talking about things that were important to people, um, and like we're doing now, just communicating ideas. Um, I knew that all it would need was for it to permeate just one person's consciousness. That's all it needs to do. Every episode, if just one person listens and listens from start to finish, that's all I need. Because I know I'm going to put into here not only value, but also someone on the interview that has major value. <laughs> This is why it's so awesome to finally be able to talk to you because there are so few, like you said, every, there's so many creative people out there, but so few of them are willing, they've got the, the balls, I guess, to put themselves out there. 
And I know all the people in my life have stories to tell, but they're not willing to tell them. And mm. so to find someone else who's, um, who has the bravery to, um, I, I guess, expose their weaknesses to an audience and, um, allow people in, um, it, it puts you on a, a different wavelength that, um, I can, I guess I'm vibing with, I can, mm. you know, we're, we're, we're on a similar thought track awesome. as creatives. Yeah, I can tell. And it's, I mean, I think I'm just a glutton for punishment, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, I, I want to learn. I, I like, personally, I like finding my weaknesses. I like finding the dent in the armor or the chink in the armor because then if I'm if I'm worrying too much about where I'm strong, I'm not going to worry about that one little point where someone can go with a tiny little pin and just go, Doink, mm-hmm. that's it, dead. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm worried. I, I, I am worried about people who have all these ideas. And I, I mean, I've had these frustrations as well. I've had years of frustrations where, especially with this podcast, just trying to get people to like, <laughs> come on, man, come on. You've got, we, we're sitting here, we're having a great chat. Just let me hit the record button. Just let me yeah. put a microphone in front of your face. And unfortunately, people just clam up. They go, I can't, I don't, I don't want to, I, I, I don't like the microphone. And they get funny. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, it's you just, you can hardly it, blame them. It's yeah. uh, exposing yourself is a, a huge deal. So oh, yeah. um, to ask somebody to do that is definitely a huge ask. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's it's one of those things where it is, it's a weakness. It's people, uh, people don't like being, you're right. People do not like being vulnerable and they do not like being. Um, it's a dangerous yeah. reality that we live in and, putting ideas out there is showing people your weaknesses. And there are people who will use those weaknesses to hurt you and destroy you. And mm. so you do, you do have to be careful with um, the feedback that you take in and who you're taking it from. There's plenty of well-meaning people that just kind of want to make, uh, make you a, a, a better artist, a stronger person. But there are also people that just want to tear you apart Mm. And, and they're out there and they're more common than I would have liked to have thought when I was younger. Yeah. And it's all because everyone is working, running off their own bias, their own limiting beliefs, their own personal struggles and experiences, um, and their own toxic people in their life, in their history. Um, and some people still, most people still have weeds in their garden. <laughs> like mm-hmm. um, we all have weeds in our garden and we need to learn, especially as creatives, man, like how, I don't know about you, but I have I, I have lost count of how many fragile artists I've come across. And I just saw a lot of these people get, I mean, I've, I've had big name artists only contact me on places like Instagram and TikTok and all that because they thought I was putting them on the bitch essentially. And I was I was claiming they had done something wrong. When I had tried to contact them on multiple occasions just to tell them how inspired I am by them. And the only way I could get their attention 
was to get like a misunderstanding, a lack of communication. Are these people that are these like artists that you have been critical of? No. Why were they? Uh, why were they on no. the defensive? I mean, one of the instances was that. Well, it was a misunderstanding. They were thinking I was being critical, and I've heard other stories okay. of of people misunderstanding that I was being critical. Um, I never went out of my way to give them negative feedback. I never went out of my way to, you know, do that thing where people just put a bad comment on to just just a rage inciting comment on or what or what have you. This was, just, I mean, one of the instances was I had done a Iron Man pin around the time of Endgame, and it was a, um, you know, an Iron Man snapping his gauntlet pin. And then another artist had released one, and mine was, you know, unofficial. It was, um, and uh, another artist had released an official one uh, alongside with a company. And I just posted it on my story, and I said, "Oh, that that looks familiar." And I tagged a couple of friends. Don't you think that looks familiar? Not meaning to say, "Oh, he's copied me." Not, my, I don't care if people. I honestly, I've let go of that. I've let go of that plagiarism thing. I think. It's just getting in the way of people creating. And if it's blatant plagiarism, I get it. You know, get onto it. But there's a lot of gray area in plagiarism. And it was a situation where he thought I was claiming he plagiarized. And then he went onto my account. It's like, yours was bootleg, rah, 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 rah. I just commented back. I said, mate, that's one of the most fragile responses I've ever got. Perhaps you should treat your um, audience and the people who, who, who support you a little bit better than that. And I never got any response. And sent it out to a few yeah. friends and people were like, yeah, that was a very fragile response. He just leaped on me. Like all I said was this looks familiar and just leaped on me in a in a DM. And I won't say his name because I just I'm not about that. But it was just like it was a real shock to me. I was like, I really admire this guy, but he's just a human. He really is just it human. Sounds, it sounds to me like a case of the limitations of language causing a conflict where there shouldn't have really been any at all. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Limitation of text, <laughs> essentially. Not even. Yeah. I mean, language needs tone, doesn't it? It needs context yeah. and tone. If you and, guys um, have sat down and had a conversation, I think he would have got that you were a, an admirer of his art and not a, a critic. Yeah, and on the internet, I think we're very quick to just defend. It's just like, <laughs> just like this, mm -hmm. this survival instinct to just like, oh, he's. There's so many people on the attack. You need to be on the defense sometimes yeah. with um, yeah, definitely. all these people that are just trying to tear you down. It's wild. Um, I mean, that's something you need, you need boundaries on the internet. You need to learn some boundaries. And um, the delete button is a beautiful thing. <laughs> the delete mm. comment button. There's a, a learning curve. Thing. Yeah. For sure. And just learning to navigate the internet and learning to navigate criticism. Definitely. And in my early days of the internet, I kind of treated it like it wasn't very serious, like it wasn't me putting my own identity out there. And so I thought it was cool just to get on there and um, give people shit. So I was one mm. of those guys. And yeah. um, I did eventually kind of figure out as I started to make my art and put it out that like there's people on the other end of this and they're feeling my the comment that I didn't put any thought into that just kind of stabbed them in the heart. That there's a person that felt that stab on the other end, but you don't feel it. It doesn't seem like it when you're putting the knife in on the other side of a screen. It doesn't feel like you're stabbing a person, but that's mm. really kind of what you're doing. 
Yeah, because there's no real consequence, is there? There's no real immediate consequence yeah. the way that tangible a tangible knife into a stomach actually has. Um, hey, look, I want to ask you a few more questions before I let you go. Um, how has your year been? Are you kind of touched hmm. on it at the start? Um, were you plan? Uh, did you say you were planning on doing conventions this year? <laughs> yeah, I was super keen. I worked on this thing all last year, 2019, from January to uh, to January, and mm. I was working a full 45-hour uh, week at a factory while I was doing it. I was coming home and doing this before I went to bed. So I was Shit. grinding, and I was so keen when I got it out to finally get to the conventions, meet all the other creative people, get on the same wavelength, finally have some creative people in my life that I could talk to that weren't just people that were content stacking shelves or putting meat in bags for their whole life mm. like this is it this is reality this is this is fine as long as i'm getting dollars in the bank and the numbers going up then um <laughs> yeah. then i'm doing well but like i wanted to meet these people that, that's what i was really that's what 2020 really crushed me with and i saw it coming i saw when um when it happened in china that like oh shit this shit's gonna break out but i didn't think that it was <laughs> i i gotta be careful I didn't think that Australia was going to abandon its value of freedom. The thing that made us Australian, the thing that we value so much at our core is freedom. We sing it in our song. Um, we're young and free, and it doesn't feel like that this year. And I know it's because there's an actual dangerous thing that's killing people, like a virus. It's a real thing. But I don't think it was worth sacrificing, like making, telling people what to do and um, arresting them for deciding not to comply. I don't think that was the right move. I think you should let people take the risk that they want to take. And if you're afraid, then you stay in your home and you put your fucking cloth on your face. Like it's, it's perfectly, I'll wear the cloth all day, but I want the choice to wear the cloth. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I feel very yeah. um, strongly about it because it did fuck up my year. It did. It really mm. did. Yeah. And I would have liked and to have made the choice as an Australian to go and risk my health. And I wouldn't have visited anyone that was um, afraid of um, contamination. I would have just kept to myself. And uh, the only people I would have seen is other people that would have been happy to take the risk and go to a convention. So go ahead. Mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I feel the same. I mean, Personally, my children were the reason I didn't. I I, I was I was cautious, but um, yeah, it was. I've I personally have been very frustrated with similar things that you're communicating there, and and I think the frustration for me was the lack of consistency across the board. Mm -hmm. Like from from I remember reading an article about two months ago about this this couple and their kids. They had three kids, and they were trying to make it from Sydney to Perth. They were, no, sorry, South Australia to Perth. And they bounced from South Australia where um, from South Australia to Melbourne, I believe, or to Victoria somewhere. Then they had to go to New South Wales and then obviously up to the Northern Territory and then back down to Perth. And in each state, there was something new they had to do. They had to, they were, they went to mm -hmm. Victoria, quarantined for two weeks. And then within two days, they'd spent $300 on groceries for their quarantine and they got sent to New South Wales and weren't allowed to take the groceries with them. And then they got sent to the Northern to via Queensland, I believe, to the Northern Territory, or maybe they just bypassed Queensland. Um, and in New South Wales, they had to stay for 
two weeks and then they got to then a week in they got sent to the northern territory and then the northern territory was different as well and it was all over the place and they were considering they were thinking they were going to go okay two weeks here two weeks there two weeks there two and then they went to the northern territory they said you're gonna have to stay here two weeks again within two days it was just go to perth and quarantine there and it was like mm-hmm. why couldn't they have just gone from south australia down here to perth quarantined for two weeks and then gotten on with their lives and the the inconsistency in it was was what frustrated me the most was like I mean, I lost a family member this year, not necessarily to COVID, but amongst lockdown. And I was just pissed off that I couldn't go to that funeral. Like, Mm. I couldn't say goodbye. And it was because mass hysteria got in the way. Yeah, you were robbed of that because Australia decided to abandon its uh, core value. Yeah. And I mean... I don't mean to interrupt you. A, cu- a couple of weeks. No, no, no. I, you're you're 100% right. And a couple of weeks would have been okay. And I remember mm-hmm. when they said, you know, we're going to have an uptick in August. Yes, we, we did have an uptick in August. And in hindsight, I mean, at the start of the year, I was one of those people that was like, I'm going to stay inside. I'm going to be afraid. I'm going to be scared. Rah, rah, rah. Calling my mother, who's a nurse, being like, is this something we need to worry about? I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about my children. Do I have to stay home? Are we going to go into lockdown? It was when Italy was going in and New York and everyone was starting to just shut down. And it was like, do we have to do this? And then later on, I found out that Japan didn't lock shit down. Japan, one of the biggest yeah. countries in Asia, didn't lock shit down. They put a mask on and they went back to work. And I was like, wait a second, what? <laughs> like Japan didn't lock down and they are fine? And I looked into their numbers and was like, yeah. what? What do you mean? How did that happen and no one else did that? How come they were okay and we weren't? They were closer to China than we were. How, how on earth did this? And it was just like this. It just This year just felt like an apocalypse. It just felt like, and I can understand your frustration because I was ready to go on tour this year. It was the first year I was going to really hit the conventions and and go hard and make it my full-time job. And, you know, it just didn't work out that way. And we're all going to have to move on from any plan we had for this year. But, I mean, I suppose that leads me into the next question is, if you've got anything anything to say about what I've just said, and also my question is, what is in your future? What is your, what is mm-hmm. from now on, where are you headed? Yeah, well, like I said at the start, I've been watching your podcast since the start of this year. And one of the things that you've said that I really liked, this kind of silver lining about this, is that there might be some kind of creative renaissance after this from all the people that have been locked down and um, had a chance to just throw themselves into their creative projects. And um, I like the approach that you take to, um, to, to the situation where it's like, this sucks, but I can use this in some way. There are benefits to this. I can, um, since everybody's locked down anyway, and we're all on the same level, we have an opportunity that we can use. And I mean, I, I set, I don't know about you, but I set goals at the start of every year and some of those were squashed. My, uh, the prime one being going to conventions, but, um, I had an opportunity to set up and pursue other goals and I am ready for next year to open up and I will get out there and, and go to as, as many conventions as, 
I am able, but I did at the start of this year, I was really keen for the um, Bendigo convention because that was the only one that accepted me. And I did try to get into Oz Comic Con, but I don't, I didn't hear back from them. So if there's anyone out there who is looking for someone to share a table with, I only have one comic right now. I would be interested in sharing a table. And um, I don't know if you have any insight as to how it is, what it is these conventions are looking for when you apply or what it is I can do to make myself a prime candidate for the conventions. I want to go to all of them, but I don't even know where they are at the start of the year. Oz Comic Con's kind of late in the year. Bendigo's right at the end of the year. And I mean, most of them are right at the end that I know about. So mm. if you have any insight as to how I can get myself to more of them, and I'm happy to travel across the entire country as long as it's, you know, allowed. Yeah, look, it's really, it's like anything. It's just building a relationship with the, especially the smaller conventions. I'm certain the people at Supernova have no idea who I am because <laughs> um, mm -hmm. there's 250 people at each event. And um, really, I'm just on their mailing list. Uh, most of us are just on their mailing list. When it comes to Oz Comic Con, it's an application system. Um, I could not tell you why I get into Oz Comic Con. I've only been doing them about, this year would have been my third Oz Comic Con um, in Sydney. And it's really first in best served with those ones. It's an early bird gets the worm. Um, as long as you've got a portfolio uh, website or Instagram or both uh, to send them towards um, so that they can see what you're doing. And it seems like Oz Comic Con is headed towards really prioritizing locals. So you'd have an easier time. You're in Melbourne, right? No, I'm in Albury-Wodonga. I was oh, from right. Melbourne and I moved up here and I'm stuck here and I'm trying to move back. All <laughs> right. Um, so... They seem to be prioritizing uh, state-based uh, people. So anytime I applied for Melbourne, I struggled because I'm in New South Wales. But whenever I applied for New mm -hmm. South Wales, they seem to be putting people, Oz Comic Con at least, is putting people priority per state. Um, so the Sydney ones were easier for me to get into. Um, and I had friends who struggled to get into the Sydney one who were from Melbourne or um, Perth or whatever. Um yeah, the mailing list are the best place to go. If you just go and sign up for um, as an applicant for any of the conventions, uh, that's what I noticed was one of the best, one of the most helpful things for me because you'll just get the, they send out the email as soon as applications open. And if you get your application in most of the time, you don't even have to pay immediately. And, and sometime, very rarely do you have to pay a deposit immediately. But as soon as you really want to get that application in first, as soon as that email comes in. Um, okay. That's what I noticed was, and then as you start to do that year after year, it just takes a bit. Of, I mean, I've been doing conventions for five years now. My first supernova was five years ago, and each year I'm adding a new one to my repertoire and to my tour, so to speak, or my year, so to speak. And it's just, I've just noticed the consistency is just getting that, getting your name into the application so that they have your email and your phone number or whatever, and just getting that application done as soon as possible. Um, as soon as you see see the email come in, um, get it in before anyone else. Because people, because really often people will go, oh, there's the email. Oh, that convention. Okay. And they just put it in a folder somewhere and they, oh, I'll come back to it. As, for me, the thing that worked best was just as soon as I saw it, bam, do it. Get it done now. Forget about it. And then you'll get an email two weeks, three weeks, a month later. And they'll go, okay, 
you've made it in or you haven't made it in or this is how much it's going to cost. This is your portal and so on and so forth. Supernovas are one of the easiest. I know they're expensive, but they're worth the money if you, um, you're just going to, we talk about it often here is you, we haven't spoken about conventions very much this year for obvious reasons, but um, when you, when you do conventions, there is going to be overheads and it can be, it can, can seem expensive at first, um, but once you start to really establish yourself in these conventions, the overheads, um, and just establish yourself as a business, the overheads start to not be a problem anymore. Um, convention prices are just convention prices, and um, supernovas have risen very much over the last few years, and I believe they've just sold supernova to a new company, um, but I haven't really paid attention to their prices this year. But yeah, I mean, it's really just even if you just try to find someone and contact them, you know, find someone who um, put your name into the portals, put your names in, just get uh, a relationship with, especially the smaller ones. Um, they really love because they often just have one person running the applicants, mm -hmm. one or two people just try and find that person's email or they'll they'll email you and just have have communication treat them as a person that's what i found works best so that once you get to the convention you go hey i'm jordan and they go yep we remember you um coming in your tables over here rah, rah, rah. um yeah and it's just it's just a community and i mean another thing i would suggest is just in those conventions just like anywhere there's there's negative and there's positive people <laughs> and there's people who just set up tables and expect the people to come to them and mm -hmm. really a lot of what i mean if you listen to any of my episodes with kieran particularly kieran jack we talk about this pretty much every time he comes on a lot of the um talking brad big fan yeah he's um another guy from aubrey actually he mm -hmm. a lot of the um a lot of it, it's a job it's it's you, you've got to do a lot of communication You've got to, um, there's a lot of people who sit down on their phone and they'll just sit at a convention and, and just sit there and, and text or whatever and just expect people to come to them. And then they wonder why they didn't make the $300 back for their table over three days when they were given the perfect opportunity to do so. And all they did was just sit there and expect the field of dreams um, syndrome, I call it. It's if you build it, they will come. That's not how creativity works. That's not how anything works necessarily any product you're selling doesn't work that way um but yeah that's really my uh my advice on that for anyone who's listening as well um but i suppose one of the, so i got the last few questions here for you um what are you listening to only podcasts um occasionally i delve in the doom soundtrack doom eternal that was a badass oh, cool. game this year that not enough people appreciated. It's really, I mean, it really it captures that rage and it's like playing a soundtrack. You're just ripping and tearing demons apart um, <laughs> to an awesome soundtrack. But other than that, I've been a podcast guy since um, I was like 12. And so mm. to see them finally take off and then like everyone's making one and there's all these really interesting ones out now, specifically... Joe Rogan, H3H3 podcast, your podcast, and Halftone Effect. Those are my favorites. Awesome. 
Also, I need to catch up on the halftime. Yeah, I've got about thirty I listened to. What were you listening to when you were when you were younger? Like there was uh the my first ever podcast was called Galaxy News Radio, and it was a Fallout Three podcast where they talked oh, cool. about just Fallout Three, and I was obsessed with that game. And it was just three three or four friends getting together chatting about it. Um, but yeah, since then. Um, the whole the whole idea of podcasts has changed. It's a whole different medium now to what it was back then. Yeah, everyone's got one now. It's essentially it's because a lot there's been a lot of people like Gary V or, um, or I mean particularly Gary V is always talking about how it's it's a perfect place for marketing um, because you can cut content up and um, really just have your audience get to know you. Um, yeah, I mean, I used to listen to. That's funny that you say Fallout. My first, my first one was Rebel Force Radio, was mm-hmm. a Star Wars podcast. I just go, I just looked up Star Wars podcasts, and at the time, they're like fifteen years old now. And at the time, they were the only, they were literally the only Star Wars podcast out. And now there's a billion out there that you can listen yeah. to. Um, and it really is starting to take off. It does make the market a little bit more competitive, but it also means that there is so many niches, and there's literally a podcast for everyone and anyone out there um okay so i'm gonna hit you with the speed round and then i'll let you go because we uh um we've we've been going for a minute here but okay so the speed round is first question um what did you think was cool then when you were young but isn't cool now everything i thought was cool when i was young is still cool cool that's that's a a really good answer i like that yeah yeah i feel the same um Except for maybe like bubble gum or something. You know what? I um I was I did go through a wrestling phase and I don't get into wrestling anymore. And I was interested in um knowing what it is that you find so compelling about wrestling. (laughs) That's a good question. I'll keep it brief. Um it's essentially just an escapism. It's a Mm -hmm. it's a live form of entertainment. I know that when you punch when they're punching each other, they're not punching each other, but I have a, an extreme respect for these men and women who throw themselves um, f- just purely for the entertainment of individuals. Like what what baffles me is the idea that people are like, I believe when The Rock is on a film and he's jumping from skyscraper to skyscraper or driving a car in Fast and Furious, whatever it may be, that I know it's not real, but I'm still going to suspend my belief. But when he's in the ring... I'm not going to suspend my belief. Yeah, it's right. clearly fa- like this comparison to UFC or boxing or something. It's not fair. Compare it to compare it to Disney on Ice. It's essentially the same thing. I know wrestling is not necessarily real, but it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. at a certain point, it's just a form of entertainment. It's there's a psychology to it. There's a there's a you know that two people can physically get in the ring and spend 20 minutes in there, half an hour in there and just um, essentially not and at the same time do beat the crap out of each other and that you would have this mentality to throw your body off a 20-foot cage just to hear people cheer and just for people to remember you in life is just absolutely phenomenal to me. It's just, it's more the mentality and the idea of just for the sake of entertainment and escapism. And the fact that they put on WrestleMania with no crowd this year was just 
proved to me how important that medium is to so many people and to myself was like, what? Like, why did you bother doing that? And they knew exactly why, because the story, and it's also, it's a storytelling medium. Like we were saying at the start, it is a storytelling medium. There is you versus me. I know, I know that Chris Evans likes Robert, Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War, but his character, Iron Man, or Captain America doesn't like Iron Man at that point in the story. It's the same thing for wrestling. John Cena doesn't like Brock Lesnar, but the two men like each other outside of the ring and it's suspending that. It's just treating it the same way you would treat movie essentially and it's just a story. It's just this phenomenal story that's told through physicality essentially. That's kind of what I thought you were going to say. It's it's not so much about the 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 fight it's the drama it's the mm. the story behind it it's the same as like you see alexios punch the uh the fucking bug alien thing in this yeah and you it, like that didn't really happen but um it doesn't matter that it didn't happen in real life it, the rock punching fucking john cena mm. is the same it's you can you're on board for the story yeah That's and i, I mean thought. yeah the idea it's of learning about form yeah, and the idea of learning about how it works and how the business works helps me to understand better why a match is so good and why this particular person is so good at what they do. And it is. It's an art form. It's an, it's just another art form that I enjoy. It's like dancing in a way, but it's fighting. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, masculine it's predetermined. Dancing. Yeah, it's predetermined. It's choreographed, but it's, um, yeah, it is. It, it tells a story and it, it's, it's just completely entertaining to me and it's only something i've gotten back into i've always appreciated but it's only something i've just gotten back into this year um out of pure necessity i suppose and just fell into the rabbit hole and haven't come out of it yet um beautifully put your passion for the medium is incredibly apparent yes (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) um so okay so last few questions if if you could know the absolute and total truth about one question what question would you ask it's a big it's a big question, but we get some great answers out of it. Life in the universe, aliens. Where are they? Why haven't oh. why aren't they talking to us? They're out there. I know mm. they're out there. But I mean, we're not so bad. Come say hi. Yeah. Or is it <laughs> or is it that they're talking to us and the people who can understand it are keeping it from us? Keeping it from yeah. society. Why? Come on, we're ready. We're ready now. Yeah. Yeah, we're more than ready. We're adva- we've advanced enough, I think. That's uh-huh. an awesome one. Okay, what is the most unprofessional thing you've ever seen someone do? I worked at a bakery for a year, less than a year. Baker's Delight. Um, they are underpaying their staff. They are they're hiring people on as a first year apprentice, so they only have to pay them ten dollars an hour, and then as soon as they hit second year, they fire them, get another first year on. They are cunts. Never work at Baker's Delight, Lavington. Wow. Yeah. Shit, I didn't know that. I mean, I knew that some of the bigger corporate companies were pretty bad, but far out. No, the family-owned businesses, they, they, they're they on the same team and they all run the business together and they will fuck you over if you are not part of the family. So be yeah. careful of those. Well, I worked, I worked for Gloria Jeans for years when I was a teenager and there was some very similar stuff going on there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. We need to change that in society. We need to change this... Um, this sneaky, uh, this sneaky business we do, especially with young people, um, you're just not, 
yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> anyway, that, that could be a whole other podcast. But okay, mm-hmm. so we'll go to question four. Um, you are about to get into a fight. What song comes on as your soundtrack? This is this the is FG the Division thing. from Doom 2016. <laughs> nice. We'll have to put that at the end of the podcast as the song. Hell yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Nice. BFG. Wait, let me make that note of that. This is BFG Division. That's it. From yep. Doom 2016, did you say? That's the one, yeah. All right. Um, okay, and I'll ask you the final question while I'm running this. What is something that most people learn only after it's too late? Hmm. You have to give me a minute. Mm. Um, Take your time. It's it, it's sometimes some of these questions are. Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a heavy question, mm. and every important lesson I've learned was learned the hard way. Mm. Um, Often I would is. say, k- kindness is not weakness, but it can be when you are communicating with the wrong people. They will turn your kindness into a weakness and use it to destroy you. So be careful who you're kind to, but generally be kind to everyone. Most people are deserving. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are more evil people out there than I would have liked to have thought when I was young, but they're still the minority. And most people are 100%. deserving of your kindness and understanding. Yeah. The, the unkind or the mean, so to speak, are just louder often. Um. That's perfect. I really like that. Kindness is definitely not weakness. Um, vulnerability is definitely not weakness. It's it's strength. Um, all the people I've known who have been afraid of vulnerability in their lives have been sorely missing out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, all right. Well, that is that is it, man. Where can everybody find you? Um, where's you the best find me find on social media at Ollywood Comics. If you go to my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Comics, you can head down to the About section and you'll find a free copy of Honor Bound. Please go ahead and read it and give me a feedback. Join into the Twitch stream sometime. Give me a follow and let me know what you thought about the comic. I really love to hear from you. Perfect. We'll put the... Uh... We'll put the connection to that free comic in our description as well so that everybody can have a listen to have a read of what we were talking about. But thank you, man, for this episode. This um I intentionally allowed it to go on further because I could see we were really getting in, into a rabbit hole that I was intrigued by. Um and uh, I appreciate you being patient with me over the last couple of weeks. Um and we finally got to um, got to this episode. So, and it it was worth it. I can tell you right now, it was definitely worth it. Yeah, man, I'd wait forever because I mean, the shit you're doing out there is um, really good shit, and you're connecting people on a, a level that I think is rare and important. So, keep doing good work out there, especially for the Australian indie comic community. You're giving us, um, you're giving us ideas that are i you know they're rare mm, that we need doing good shit so thanks Thank so, you, thanks so much for that i really appreciate your support as well and um i appreciate you man you're a very kind person very patient person and um really just you're you seem to be on the same wavelength wavelength as well as just willing to you know thank you for being vulnerable 
Thank you for the mm-hmm. privilege of your time as well. Um, and I really am grateful that you you decided to contact me that day and, and come on here. Um, that's that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, Ollie, for coming on. Thank you so no much for everyone who's watching live and who's been commenting. Our comment section is all full. Um, and we will see you next week. Have a great week. Stay weird, guys. Catch you later. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. Thank you, every single one of you, for listening. I can't tell you how much I love all of you. I know I say it every single week, but I will say it. Thank you for the privilege of your time. Thank you, Ollie, for the privilege of your time. It truly is a privilege to fill your earworms with my oral rantings. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, you know where to find me. Jordan Morpathart on Instagram. Uh, the, the Lemonade Pod Network on Instagram. Um, you can find me on TikTok, Jordan Can Draw. Facebook, Twitter, Jordan Morpeth. Facebook, Jordan Morpeth Art. I'm everywhere. If you want to learn more about the Lemonade Podcast and you want to contact us, please DM me on Instagram or email me through jordanmorpethart.com. Go to the contact page. You can see all my portfolio on there. You can see all of my work, everything that's new, everything that's coming up. Come and have a chat. Talk to us. If you want to be on the podcast, just DM me. Reach out. I would love to have you on the podcast. If you have a story, you have a project, you have something you want to tell, something you want to show the world, let me know. Come and and join us here at Making Lemonade. But that's it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Ollie, so much once again. That was a wonderful podcast. I have been your host, Jordan. This has been Making Lemonade. Thank you to my daughter for the intro. How cute was that? And the the, uh, the Canva sponsorship at the start. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you all. I've been Jordan. This has been Making Lemonade. And as always, take care of each other, love each other. And don't forget, stay weird.